and welcome, one and all, to another live night shift. I am your host, Bryson Turner, and with me is the student of the game, Kyle Nash. And might I say, Kyle, <laughs> why is it that when when we play Boise State, we have to we have to, we have to get heart attack medication? Yeah, wow, that's a that's a great parallel. Granted, it's not the same as having a pick six thrown away, but there was certainly a lot of crazy action. Um, and I don't I don't think that's a, any bit of a hyperbole here, uh, Bryson, by any stretch of the imagination, uh, from what we saw tonight. Football gods seem to be favoring blue, but hey, listen, the age old okay boomer, he puts an air quotes age old sophomore, right? Baby boomer. Well, I mean, he's a He's not a freshman anymore, but yeah, I, I mean, listen, <laughs> tying records, you know, kicking booms, doing the thing. I mean, you, you got it. It's not every day you have a kicker be the hero of a football game, Bryson Turner, but I think we had one of those tonight. Oh, we very much did. Colton Boomer, the sophomore, he ended up tying a school record, a 55-yard field goal, the longest field goal in UCF history since Ed O'Brien did it on September 7th, 1985. Wow. So, I mean, this is that's back to the that's right right there. Back to that's back to the future. That's like the present, the, the present of back to the future was that's how long it was when Ed O'Brien made that field goal and almost right around then to about that. The anniversary of that was two days, was a couple days ago. Great Scott Bryson. Indeed. I Colton, I think, you know, it's funny Colton Boomer. I would argue last year was kind of like introducing himself, but I feel like today is when Colton Boomer arrived. I almost feel like the, the, the okay Boomer thing is now, doesn't suit him anymore because okay is not the right adjective to describe that man. <laughs> I think it's meant to describe the moment, but not his actual overall prowess. I'll grant you that Bryson Turner by any stretch of the imagination. And, and listen, it's, it's, it's proliferated enough that even the people who are calling the game remotely on FS1, the awkward job that they're doing still managed to bake that into the broadcast somehow. So that should tell you plenty about how much that's, kind of hit the mainstream so to speak say what you will about the quality of the of the uh, of the fox broadcasters but i really do feel like that the commentators have given have, have have an energy about them that i think is one of the minor upsides you get when you watch a a, a, a game on fox sports one of course the score bug still being what it was it just no but I will admit the comment. I think the commentators that we had a very good, I would say, vibe or a good, a very. A, there's an excitement about them that I quite liked, especially in the case of Colton Boomer. I don't know. My four year old's excited to do the hokey pokey as well. That doesn't mean that they should be presiding that kind of energy in a football game. But what do I know? I, it, I, I'll, I'll tell you what. The fact that he actually set a new career long twice. Tonight was awesome. Yeah. And, the, and the felt uh, he I honestly think he could have gone farther. I really do. Oh, it, oh, each of those kicks I feel like could have gone 60. Yeah, I mean the way that it pounds the back of the net. By the way, credit credit to a Boise's kicker who had the 56 yarder that was actually the longest in this game that truly made it 
dramatic. Without that, we don't have that 10 to 9 score to go into the half, even though 256 yards and nine points, Bryson Turner. What in the actual heck is going on in this football game in the first half? Throughout the throughout the half. I, I mean, you know, and I know that Boise State fans will probably go, well, if Taylor Green played the whole game, they might have won it. Hey, how about getting too short? Well, I'll give it I'll say this. Kobe Hudson's Kobe Hudson's drop and it was a drop. By the way, anybody who's blaming John Rice Plumley in this scenario, you're wrong and you're just wrong and watch the video game so you could see to the exact extent that you exist in a state of wrongness. But while Hudson's drop may not have been a sure score, Javon Baker's definitely was. And just there was a whole lot of things I didn't like over and above that in the first half. I don't feel like the players, Bryson, were the only individuals. I wouldn't even say the players were playing nervous, unless you're Madsen, who was the backup quarterback for Boise State. The coaches, I felt, were coaching nervous in this football game. And listen, you know me. I wish I had Eric Lopez and Drew Glukov in in here with me so you, they can verify I'm not a, hey, the coaches blew it, all the play calling's bad kind of guy. I think that's a lazy excuse for analysis. But there's too many things I felt like that were done, air quotes, wrong to not at least bring it up. But at the end of the day, if you're going to learn and make mistakes, it's nice to do it in a W. Very true. And to help us break down some of that, we have the third member of our crew, Nick Porcelli, joining us now. Nick, how you feeling? How you feeling, man? Do you have to take some heart attack medication? I nearly had a heart attack, and sorry I'm late. I was too busy taking a victory lap around my apartment. Hey, well, you do run cross country for one, buddy. Second, you're—I mean, you don't. Why are you worried about fat heart attacks? You're not fat. Leading me to my next point: the other release, uh, or rather, relief that Nick feels—he does not have to jump through a table because he lost a bet on this game. So it's no, a good one all the way around for Nick. I, I, no, I said if we came back and win, I jump through a table. I have to jump through a table now. Oh. You pessimistic fool. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like, you realize that it almost I'll be on Barstool in a few weeks. definitions I'll of a be contract on. because the the largest lead Boise State really had throughout this whole game was like five. We no one really got ahead by double digits at all this entire game. That is the 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 barest definition of a comeback there is. Oh yeah, just. <laughs> I I don't know like what just happened what was that game I I I I certainly had very let's say quote-unquote fun watching this (laughs) this one because look first of all John Rice Plumley, great job today like for everything that happened to this cannot blame John Rice Plumley for the stuff that went wrong except for the fact that he's still having a little bit of trouble defending himself. And that last slide, I mean, the only silver lining about any of that is that we were probably going to sit him next week anyway. So, I mean, I really hope that he is okay there. I saw on Twitter that there was a, there was a, there was a raw video from the stand showing a couple people walking with him off the field. So he's, he's walking, which is good. Hopefully he will. He's he's all right. Though he'll be evaluated and everything. He'll be okay with him. But I mean, he had two interceptions, but those are wide receivers' no, interceptions. He did no. not have two interceptions, Bryson. Words matter. Dang it! I'm not putting he that out. Here. He was credited with two interceptions. That's the, my boy. There, there you go. go. Things like that. That that 
it's it's the imperfectness of football stat making right there, where the quarterback <laughs> has to be credited with the interception when in reality it is not his fault whatsoever that that happened. And between the inter- and the interceptions and the drops, and let's also not forget the running the running back running. Like I would argue that this is one of the at least glaringly bad offensive performances from the skill positions of in wide receiver and running back I've seen in a little bit because UCF is normally very very good in this department but tonight there was just several key mistakes that really should have made that if they had gone the other way and had been executed properly this would have been a runaway 100 percent yeah. yeah uh, without without question. And let me build on that a little bit, Bryce and Nick. Uh, go ahead and jump in after this because I'm sure you'll have something because there's a lot. First of all, all the, to- all the time you guys want to use that slur of skill positions as if we in the middle don't have big skill. This, the offensive line coming out and doing what they did tonight. They had a fantastic game overall. There's only really two or three big misses. I think there's only one flag I remember, ironically, on – on Lukai Pioli, which, I, I mean, you don't expect that, but it happens. You know, they did fantastic. We need to put them in a little bubble off to the side. It took UCF, what, at least four games to play this good up front. This is what we were looking for. This is what we were expecting when Gus Malzahn said to me a few weeks back when, uh, 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 yeah, a few weeks back talking about the biggest increase in depth was on the offensive line and on offense. We saw that tonight. And, and I don't know if you guys remember on the uh, Black and Gold Banneret podcast, or excuse me, the Night Shift podcast that you can find on the Black and Gold Banneret.com. Oh, you don't have the button? Sorry, Bryce. We, we, no, no. Yeah, only Jeff has the button. Oh, well, we get some buttons. We don't have shirts. We don't have buttons. Come on. No, but joking, joking aside, like, that's that I said it then that this Boise State team is better up front than you think. And there were a lot of looks I may not have liked defensively. We'll get into that later. But um, they're, just the way the offensive line came out and handled business. But Bryce in that evaluation that the skill position struggled tonight, except quarterback, thoroughly accurate from where I sit. I, looking at the, I mean, when you look, John Rice Plumley ended ends up being the UCF's leading rusher. RJ Harvey, out of all the running backs, I would say that RJ had the best day because I really feel like the oh, the biggest mistake he made was when was when he had to pass the ball and, and he just became gun shy. And I would argue that that's not RJ that RJ Harvey's fault. It's more of the coach's fault for calling that play in the first place. That said, coaches make sure you to not be gun shy with the ball. So. That RJ solid perform solid performance there. He got the lone t- touchdown as well. Great job from him, Johnny Richardson. That oh here come Bryson. 62, 62, 62 yards. Solid night. I would. I think it's just more along the lines of where you where you cut. I think that's really seems to be the biggest thing I'm lo- looking at because certain instances where you because for me is you cut where you know the the players aren't and so in the end there could have been some first downs that the team could have gotten that they didn't get and that ended up just not working out i'll say this bryson i wouldn't i'm not going to ever judge a fast guy for when he decides to cut who am i i am way too big to even know what cutting is and if i try to cut i might blow my knee out at this age but what i will say is the mentality 
of having north and south instead of east and west is something any running back, even a scat guy like Johnny Richardson, must have in short yarded situations. And to your point, Bryson, there are a number of times where he just one did one or two extra little moves to dance. And it wasn't it didn't work out. You know, I know there were there was a lot of criticism about the movement of uh, or surrounding running plays, pulling guards and things like that. That ain't the problem. I think UCF has, has enough patience in the backfield to have done that correctly. But when the hole was there and somebody's running up and you're just trying to make the big play when you only need short yards for the first down, live to fight another day, man. Move those chains. Speaking of live to fight another day, we're see I'm seeing a lot of the concern in the comments for John Rice Plumley's condition. I'm seeing yeah. the appa- I'm seeing there there's unsubstantiated just talk about him and how he's doing and Let's talk about that actually, because John, I, I, because John Rice Plumley, I, one thing the commentators just kept on talking about was putting the 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 play in Plumley's hands, and then the coaches for some reason take it out of his hands, and it didn't work. Because I remember in, the, in our in our group chat, we were we, you, I remember you were talking about uh, you that I believe it was you that was talking about how the five cat, or, or which I guess we can't call it the five cat anymore now because R.J. Harvey was the was the, the the back on one of those plays? But the usage of that just didn't really work out as well this week than it did last week. So there's a couple things with that, Bryce. And first of all, like if what what if for them to come out with the five cat because it was McDonald at that point to come out with the five cat the way you did on fourth and one when you had already suffered catastrophe when you're going to hand Boise State more momentum when oh by the way. People on this panel have noticed Boise's better up front than Kent State by a long sprint. I'm not exactly breaking news here. I get that. But to think that you're just going to go out and dominate and then run the ball to the left, I don't think Jordan read that play and decided to carry it that way. That's not really his style of run, okay? I think he's getting. He, I think he's going to get cast by Marvel at some point um, to be the juggernaut because it'll be cheaper than doing it computer uh, computer animated for the next Marvel movie that's involved there. In other words, to say he's not inclined to cut to the outside. I think that was written up that way, drawn up that way. And McDonald was doomed and still damn near made it, by the way, almost got the, uh, the yardage necessary even then. These are, oh, you put the ball in John Rice Plumley's hands. Listen, somebody incorrectly called me the king of sports cliches the other day on the Night Shift podcast. Bing! But the punchline is they were overusing that and looked really stupid doing it. McDonald was actually running the five cat correctly. Does said juggernaut roll in the middle. Be damned if it doesn't work. I mean. Uh, true, but I will say, look. I was I was a little <laughs> mystified when they rolled out the five cat to do that fourth down run because it, to me the five cat always seems to work better as a red zone play and we saw that with the touchdown run with R.J. Harvey. So why mm-hmm. would you you know call that in a situation where you're in the middle of the field but you need a fourth down? I understand short yardage. That's what the that's what it was built for. Right. But it feels like it's something that is more suited to have less field uh, you know around it not just directly in front of you but on all sides of you well okay so let's build on that bryson first of all if you have more field that means it's more likely for the defense to be spread out and sitting back meaning you won't have linebackers to fill holes unless they take the risk of stepping forward um and just assuming you're not going to pass okay so there's some element to that i would love to see 
if it's at all possible, possible or plausible. I haven't seen it in practice, so I don't know. But I would love to see a throwing concept, you know, for the, the people up there who are actual boomers, think for, for Fridge Perry of that 85 Bears group throwing touchdowns in that formation. To your point, though, those were on the goal, goal line, Bryson. I get that. The other piece is Gus Malzahn, as we've seen many times, is looking for opportunities to get rest for John Rice Plumley. This is a thing you have to do. He, like everybody else in any sort of you know distance of even following a UCF game, is aware that Plumley's durability is essential for true, true success for UCF. This, I guess, would be the downside in having so many games to warm up before you play Big 12 opponents. Will Plumley be warm and ready for the first game against Baylor at the rate we're going? And I'm sure we'll talk and deal in speculation surrounding that here soon enough more. But the punchline, Bryson, is there's the, the short yardage. I know you get the, the, um, the jumbo package concept um, being used in short yardage. They thought they could win up front. I have no reason to disagree necessarily, but the play has to be run correctly. It needs to be fast. There needs to be an attack, and it needs to not be where the line is overshifted up front. Nick, what was your view on on all on all of this and the performance of the rushing attack today? Overall, I think they did a really good job. Um, I'm a little bit worried because it looked like a couple of our guys got pretty banged up and at one point were limping, and I feel like that's something we need to keep an eye out heading into the next game. Um, overall, you know, you, you kind of got it and took the words out of my mouth when you were talking about the, uh, wild five. I, I, I agree with them in theory executing. They struggled sometimes. Um, I don't know. It's kind of hard for me to discuss you. Kyle pretty much no. nailed it right there. No, it's completely fine. I mean, there is, you Issues prop up, crop up, and you got to deal with them. Speaking of it, speaking of issues, yeah. well, there is- before we jump on, I'd like to—I don't know if you guys talked about this in the first three minutes, but you know, you were mentioning everyone in our comments is a little worried about uh, JRP because of that hit he took to the head. Right. I know we kind of talked about this in the group chat, Kyle, but maybe you can explain it better. How was that not a penalty? Oh, okay. So, and and first of all, for clarity, uh, I, I know the contact happened where it did and when it did. I know these morons on the cast said, oh, that's a shoulder-to-shoulder hit. No. But here's the problem. None of that really applies unless a runner is defenseless or giving themselves up at that at this point. Uh, uh, Plumley decided to slide so late that what they ruled was that um, – you couldn't really tell when he was starting to slide if he was sliding. And, and listen, I'm making assumptions. I could be wrong. Maybe he wasn't trying to slide. He just stopped and then just decided to flop because, you know, he was poorly balanced by the time he got there. Either could be true. For a guy who plays baseball, we've already made the joke long before this game ever happened that he seems to be very poor at sliding for a guy that does play baseball as a two-sport athlete. For me, um, you know, I know the helmet to helmet hit looked bad, um, but the defender was not leading with the crown is what they're saying. And even though the guy seemed to deliver an elbow to the head, I need to look at it again to, to see whether that actually connected. He was leading with his elbow, but that in and of itself isn't a penalty. What really cooked the whole thing there, Nick, is that uh, John Rice waited so long before to, if he had slided. I mean, this is all split second decisions by everybody. I'm not being that critical, you know. Right. Um, but I think what it boils down to, you got to give the ref a chance, the players a chance 
to see that you are giving yourself up in order for that to be dubbed. And, and I think that's where I live with it. Now, I know we had something out on the uh, Black and Gold Banneret Twitter account official. Oh, it's home cooking. No, you're wrong. I don't know who put it. I don't care who put it. But if they're going to you know, do it on a thing I'm writing for, I have to tell you, I don't agree. The home cooking was in that tweet. Boom, I said it. I think they also even explained it a little bit. I think they brought in Dean Blandino to actually it kind of explained a little bit also why there was not a penalty on that one. The, the biggest thing, and this is the one thing that John Rice Plumley did not do right tonight, is slide. Now, I'll tell you what, defending the quarterback is one of like the, just the hot button issues in college, in college and just football in general, honestly, because there's so many right and wrong ways to do it or there's never seems to be a perfect way to do it because sure you can slide but then you're ruled down when you start the slide which means the quarterback could make could think they made the first down when in reality they slid too soon and they didn't then there's the fact that you and then you but so instead you could try to kind of go forward kind of what it looked like john rice was kind of doing maybe not or maybe he was more of like sitting down something like that whatever he was doing but right. then, and while sure, it's not going. You 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 know where you're going down. It's going to. It could end up causing the tackle that we saw, which looked really we really awkward, and it's clear that it shook him up. And that's just, and that's something we've been saying. Like we don't want John Rice in those situations. We and there were situations where he ran the ball and didn't go out of bounds. I honestly was kind of okay because it looked like he didn't get hit that hard. But there were a couple of hard hits. The last one, especially, that I was like, oh, please get up, please get up, please get up. And, <laughs> well, uh, there was, was a couple where he did slide in in in, in his defense, um, uh, Bryson, where, you know, he did predict, he, he did do that later in the game. There's a couple times where, I, I mean, listen, if you're going to have a mobile guy, sometimes you're just going to take a big hit. You know, it. I mean, I'd hate to reference Mackenzie Milton here, but things happen, you know. Um, heck, I, I mean, I can reference the NFL as much as we talk about uh, Lamar Demetrius Jackson for the Baltimore Ravens. When he's gotten hurt the most is being crushed in the, po- in the pocket trying to pass uh, by a poor block than actually running. So, you know, these are things that can just happen to guys like this in that situation who, who are reliant on physical play. It's the nature of the beast. Nick, what was your view on that? So um, I didn't hear the whole – Dean Blandino did explain it. I didn't hear it because, frankly, and <laughs> you and I were discussing this in the chat, Kyle, the, the, the broadcast was terrible. I literally just turned the volume down and turned up music. Well, so, yeah, I don't blame you. Uh, blame, Blandino's uh, – I, I think his time doing the stuff with the XFL, I've kind of come to see his point of view because that, that part where the XFL lets you watch what they're doing in, in the officiating booth – uh, right. During, yeah, I know yeah. exactly. Right. Well, but he, he I, was, I don't know. What, I don't know what his opinion was because I didn't hear it. All I'm gonna say is, when I was watching the video, to me, it looked like he was starting a slide and then he got hit. So in my mind, I should have been a penalty. But at the same time, I will admit I am biased. I was in the moment and I wanted more yards. <laughs> so, no, I mean, you know more than me, so I'm gonna go with you on this. But in my mind, well, but remember, Nick, it, you're seeing it in slow motion. Yeah. yeah, remember, Nick, you're seeing it in replay, and that's the part that makes it tough. To the officials' credit, they actually reviewed the play. I, I, I looked like for a minute they were about to go on without even looking at it. So I'll give them that right. much credit. But after the analysis, what Blandino said is you're looking for a big three things, right? Runner defenseless, 
helmet to helmet contact leading with the crown. You, you didn't necessarily get clear evidence of all three. Yeah, I, I felt, yeah go ahead. It was bored. I agree with you on that. It, it was borderline. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they had did give him the penalty for that. But I think because it was so borderline, it was a classic, not enough evidence. Stick with the original call. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. That's a fair assessment. And and in his case, he didn't want the yards as much as you did. I understand. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> now to, to go a, a, qu- a little bit from you from the the runners of UCF to the runner from Boise State. So last time we played Boise State, you had the one Bronco that really gave F, the, F people fits and quarterback Hank Bachmeyer. This time around. It was their running back, Ashton Jainty, who went 24 rushes, 115 rushing yards, and then five receptions for 97 receiving yards and, and a receiving touchdown. I mean, it just seemed like the it seemed like the UCF defense was rarely able to get him that 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 much this time. Just man, just what is just what is it with just what is it with at least one Bronco give, giving UCF defense fits? Well, so I'll add this in, Bryson. Like, when you look at the stat line here, you know, um, Deontay has 24 for 115, right? And he's got a long of 21. When If you take that, what is that? Off the top of my head, that's 23 carries if you take the 21-yarder out and you got 93 yards, which isn't a bad performance for a running back. But I, I feel like a lot of that was UCF getting gashed for big plays on the ground that it was them just getting tore apart. And I feel like there was a lot of instances where they had everything stopped, but then, you know, they would come out with a 3-4 look or something. And listen, I'm back to this. It's not usually where I go to criticize the coaches and some of their selections. But from what I can tell, the defensive tackle position is the deepest on UCF's roster. And then you come out with a set – Against, by the way, who starting quarterback uh, for 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 the uh, Broncos there is Taylor Green, who's like a Viking giant at six six, and you know, I forget how big he was, two hundred and something a lot. He said jokingly, "I did, uh, I don't remember how much he weighed." But the punchline is, this quarterback is huge. We're talking Ben Roethlisberger size, except more athletic. Okay, and you're coming out with a three four, and oh by the way, you have a Viking giant up front. You have your you have only one player from the deepest part of your roster in the game and the and the and the group with the least depth overall for how much they have to do in defensive end at defensive end, you're you're having to ask more of them and then also putting them out of position for speed on the outside because they're trying to attack from closer to the middle rather than being spread out as a four three would have. They took advantage of that, the Broncos. That's all that happened here. You got some gashes here that extended some drives longer than they should have been. But to the defense's credit and to and to Coach Addison Williams, who I just criticized there, keeping this team at 16 points, considering all that happened in this game and the way the football gods <laughs> seem to defy, defy UCF at every turn. I can't really get mad at it at the end of the day. I can't either. To uh, support your calling him a Viking, just to clarify, he is 6'6 and 220, according to his profile. Well, he's not as heavy as I thought, but that's a big dude. That's still a big guy for for a quarterback, especially. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I I also wanted to get to touch on the the receivers because we kind of mentioned it earlier, but I don't know if, like, the because I feel like the number of drops might not have been 
like as high to have like a bad one. But I would say that when the moment counted, receivers just uh, receivers just got butterfingers. I mean, I don't know what I could say that like even though the drops were small, the quality of the drop was like we where it was we could have gotten a first down or this could have gone for this could easily have gone for a touchdown and it happened multiple multiple times there was one it was twice i mean you said you said you said for a first down for a first down in the red zone for the first one the second one was clearly a touchdown yeah i'm with you on that i just for i'm adding gravity to what to what you're telling the people here buddy no, no, yeah, I know. It's again. It's like it's not it, like there. It says two interceptions on John Rice Plumley when no, it should really be the wide receivers credited with those interceptions, especially that one <laughs> that was caught in the end zone because it wouldn't have even gotten to the Boise State Fed defender in the first place if the ball hadn't even haven't been bobbled like it had. I you hit, yeah, you, you nailed it on the head. The drops might be small, but what those drops did, it's it's quality over quantity. What those drops did makes the. Fe- makes them so much worse compared to if we had dropped 10 times, but nothing happens. And that brings me actually to another, to a big point where I, I, I posted a gif of a, of a character saying I, I've seen this movie before because we saw the return of the struggling UCF red zone offense that we saw last season. And Oh, yeah. oh boy, it was agonizing. I well- Listen, it's easy to go full negative Nancy here, and and I almost feel like you guys are retaining the Eric Lopez role in a combined form tonight. But let me throw this in just for clarity. This wasn't wasn't a lack of touchdown by way of throwing in Joey Gatewood. This wasn't a lack of touchdown by running uh, 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 predictable plays. This was touchdown by way of the football gods intervening and throwing in a, you know, into the hands of the other team. I, I think... Listen, the one takeaway you have to give this team, I don't care who you are, is resolve. The fact that they were able to come back to bounce back to continue to have those calamities take place in the end zone and still be able to hold on in such a fashion to where they would eventually score a touchdown on the Wildcat, even though everybody said keep the ball to John Rice Plumley's hands, you know, um, they got the touchdown necessary in that short in that short field. And listen, Colton Boomer is going to be a candidate for uh, a special teams player of the week for the conference. You would have to think. Oh, absolutely yeah. for sure. Can we talk about that man? Can we talk about that beautiful? Can we talk about that man, Kyle and I talked about him right at the top. But please, please, you 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 need your time to gush about Let him. Let him get his turn. Let him get his turn. Please, I need to talk about that beautiful, beautiful man. <laughs> four for four, 55 longest, and a clutch field goal. What more can you say? And my, I'm, I kind of mean this and as a joke, but I'm also completely serious. <laughs> that man is our goddamn MVP tonight. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think there's anything comical about that, Nick. I, well, I, you know I, how people are with kickers. Though. There are people out there who don't want kickers in, in football anymore. But I they're called, they're called are, haters, Nick. Yeah. Kickers deserve love, God dang it. Kickers deserve love. <laughs> Nick, here's and a little Boomer deserves love. He won us that game. Nick, here's a little trivia question for you. Colton Boomer tied the school record with that 55-yard field goal, the longest field goal in UCF history. What year was that first 55-yard field goal made? Before you answer that, first, do you think you were alive? And second, for bonus points, what year was <laughs> 
knew you were going to say that. Oh my God. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with no, I wasn't alive, or at the very least, I was like not even five yet. That's what I'll guess. You were definitely not, definitely not alive. Okay, so we're going to like, is this like, are we? Are we, is this in the 90s? Can I ask that? No, it is not in the 90s. Oh, geez. That 80s? I'll say this, and, and this clue will be heavy. See what I'm doing there, Bryson. My response to it was, great, Scott. 80s. Okay. That's Back to the Future. Okay, he's catching up. Yeah. When did the first one come out? Was it 85? There you go. This is Jeff. Get the bell in here. What the heck? September 7th. 1985. So, uh, so doing that, so man, so if, doing that mental, mental math, I mean, that's what, how many years ago, like how many years ago, two days ago, point is it's many decades. 38 ish. Thank 38. You. Yes. Thank you. Um, thank you. Thank so, you uh, for demonstrating your math skills as college students, gentlemen. Well done. I'm, hey, mental math and mental math and doing it on paper is completely different, Kyle. Uh, but, I, I, I am flexing for one who was at one point an engineering major. So there you uh, go. Well, 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 here's a question for you. Well, 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 comment. September of 1985 was that was what? Eight years after Nash graduated? God, here comes Drew's. Uh, here comes Drew's. Um, burner account right no i was in kindergarten and that and you know that was on my mom's birthday by the way oh wow oh wow well I, listen i feel like i have to talk about my mom because if he she were in town i feel like colton boomer should get the meter i'm just saying <laughs> yeah you sure you want that remember that remember the yearbook quote i sent you that he I, I remember it but after kicking all the kicks he did tonight i mean listen I, how could i not uh, anyways this is getting awkward uh, yeah this is getting awkward i'm not, I'm not so, now, I will say this. Okay. If, Colton, if Colton Boomer, for some reason, is not tonight's MVP, I think that it should also uh, that sh that honor should go to the UCF Knights defense because 100%. They, they were able to – because while the offense was just making mistake after mistake, these guys kept UCF in the game along with getting a turnover. We actually got one with Corey Thornton getting, the inter getting, an, inter getting an interception, but – I was scoring a touchdown, but we're not going to talk about that. Yeah. Right. I mean, he was robbed of setting up points on turnovers. You are correct. That may or may not come up in tonight's edition of Night Class, which will go up to uh, some point tonight or tomorrow uh, on the black and gold banneret.com. <laughs> if I had to, to highlight one, though, I would say that the fact that, tr uh, that the three tackles for a loss by Tremont Morris Brash, I mean, those. Those plays, I would argue, was probably the I would say well, had some of the biggest the biggest impact as from a defensive standpoint. Just keeping Boise State from getting and getting any headway at all. Just absolutely well done on well done on his on his on his part tonight. He got the sack. Malachi Lawrence ended up getting one as getting getting one as well. Just th thoughts on Trey Kyle. Trey Moore's brash. You know, it, it was good to see him get those key big plays late and 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 i'll tell you for for again pointing out in a four three listen i'm not here to tell you that Traymon is slow for a big dude that's not what i'm saying what i am telling you is when he was put far enough outside to where backs running outside would be contained by him there was an impact and then when he was far enough outside where he didn't have the risk of being double teamed by an offensive lineman and he went on one-on-one -on -one with somebody, look, he beat him. 
you know, I, I think um, I think what he did late was a big part of what was going on. But the, again, the defensive line in general deserves a ton of credit. Um, and I think the guys behind him, the linebackers and the safeties, were put in a bad position uh, in a lot of uh, in a lot of places in the run game because of that three four look that would come up. I know they didn't do it the whole game. Four three worked more times than it didn't. I felt like in a lot of situations with the run. Um, but I mean, speaking as a guy who played offensive line, as is often pointed out on the show here, gentlemen, I always loved it when I looked at a three four because the smaller guys are easier to block. What? You know, I could push people into the backfield and like, I don't care how bad. Well, Nick, you're a smaller guy. This would be easier. I could get, I could probably get Eric Lopez and Jeff Sharon tied together in a three-legged man contest style to go through a hole. That's how big I can make it um, as an offensive lineman in the three-four. Because the guys, are, the, the, the nose tackle is either getting double teamed or is getting head up one-on-one. We'll see what happens. You have to double team Lee Hunter and Ricky Barber. Let's be clear. And then that leaves Chalascar and, and, and Brash on the outsides there. And then the best way you defeat it, if they're actually going to get push, which they still did at times because they're talented, you run to the outside where nobody is. I mean, there's a particular play where uh, Nakai Martinez was not, was was floored by a block because an offensive lineman was left that open and just put him on his back. And listen, credit to, to, to the Broncos for spotting that and running plays like that when they saw the 3-4 or adjusted to the fact that they were doing it. Uh, what can I say? Even without their big runner on the night, they still had a lot of quality plays taking advantage of that 3-4 look that the Knights would put out. Now I just have an image of you tying up Jeff Jeff and Eric and just trying to bull rush them. Hey, I wouldn't bull rush them. That that would be that that. short yardage they would score on the (laughs) five-cat. All right. Who... Who else would you say stuck out for you defensively tonight, Kyle? I mean, you mentioned the gaining of the turnover. I, I, I mean, you know, we, we see here that Jason Johnson led the team in tackles. I felt like he was kind of all over the field. Uh, you know, listen, getting that push up front, I, I think for me was the biggest thing. Um, you know, I, I know there were some times where uh, in the chat, Drew and I were, were critiquing some of the angles that the players took. But, you know, it happens sometimes. It's okay. You know, uh, at the end of the day, what everybody did to come out and make their presence felt was a big deal. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think – we mentioned, really, I feel like the standout guys already. You know, but Josh Shalaskar is always a beast. I mean, he was second in tackles last week too, you know. Um, but at, at day's end, I, I feel like as a unit, there was no one piece that particularly jumped out other than the guys up front in general giving a good push. I mean, you know, yeah, we know that uh, Brash got the three tackles for loss there. Absolutely. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I still only see <laughs> – I'll put it this way. I still only see two sacks on the night, which, to be honest, them getting home that much is an improvement, I'll grant, against a team that's pretty tough up front. But, yeah, I, I think we've got the big players uh, 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 for the defense on lock here. So hey, those I, two backs came at very important points back to back, right? So. And for fairness, that's 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 good coaching by UCF to to then realize, hey, you've got a backup quarterback that's not a Viking giant. Instead, more Drew Brees sized at five ten. He's immortal. He's immortal. Yeah. Fight him. 
So I had, uh, now I do have a question, another defensive question for you, Kyle. You, uh, in the group chat, you were talking about how the how the the frustration of of the defense lining up in like three four or four three. Like, what what was your the source of that frustration, Kyle? The source of that. Fr- well, okay. So you're coming out. With, what was that, Nick? It wasn't working at first. Well, my frustration. The reason why it wasn't working, maybe, is <laughs> um, you know we mentioned on the night shift podcast earlier in the week. Bing, that Boise's a tough group up front. Their running was working. You just didn't see a lot of it because they had to abandon it so quickly at, because, you know, playing against Michael Penix Jr. as a, a Heisman Trophy candidate, you know, kind of tough on him. But uh, over and above that, um, that 3-4, like I said, it, it puts the defensive ends further in, kind of further inside so that all they have to do is run to the outside to avoid it. And it also exposes your big guys to be uh, double teamed up front, right? So the one, the, the, the toughest thing for any offensive lineman to have to, de- or excuse me, defensive lineman to have to face, is when you're double teamed. So, um, you know, it makes it for an easier block for the offensive lineman up front. And oh, by the way, we've touched on Taylor Green as a Viking giant. No, he didn't play the whole game, and he got a bit. We got, we found the bell. Holy snap! Okay, cool. No, um, that was my, that was my phone. That was my phone. That was a text notification. Uh, Sorry. Well, tell to, to 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 text you when I when I when I whenever I plug something, but <laughs> but with all that in mind. Yeah, please um, text me at this time. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll I'll hit the post. It'll be okay. No, but uh, I, I think that the main piece, um, over and above all that 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 we were seeing is just getting there. If if, if with a Viking giant at quarterback, and yeah, I know he didn't play the whole game and got nicked up early because of pressure UCF did get probably on a 4-3 look, um, not only are you getting a chance for offensive linemen to do battle against DBs in space, here's a tip. I won that one every time, and I'm not a college caliber. You know, I, I didn't play in the Power 5, and I still won that one every time. I'm just saying. Now you're going to get that quarterback out in space potentially against a DB at 6'6 six, six and 220? May the force be with you, you know. Again, I'm not the one getting paid heavy amounts of money to coach. This is just what I see. Fair. Uh, no, that's fair. I was looking. I want. I want to look at the, these comparisons right here because I mean, I've seen a lot of like comments on Twitter about how this is uh, about whether we're looking on Twitter or looking through our chat about how this was the like a really ugly win, like ugliest win of UCF history. Bad. I wouldn't go that far. I think there has definitely been uglier wins. The Holy Holler was an uglier win than this one. I was just going to say, did you see last season? Yeah, Uh, yeah, exactly. Especially the fact that, because I would argue an ugly win is where every single player had something bad about their performance. Here, John, like here, I would argue that John, that, Aside, again, aside from defending himself, but you can also make you defending himself. But I would say, but there's a different, in my opinion, as far as playing the game, yeah. John Plumley and Colton Boomer and the defense had absolutely great perform, great performances. The reason this ended up getting ugly is because the wrong players just had off, had some. Well, even the players, Bryson, it was all the timing. Don't tell me that Hudson didn't make some awesome catches in this game. Javon Baker made some absolutely dynamite catches in this game to set things up for one or the other to make a drop in the red zone. But 
<laughs> I think I think what the fans are first of all, the fans are reacting to the score. I get it. The score is what determines things. And you know, it's a win, so obviously UCF fans have to do something to take away from it. That's what they do. That's what fanhood is. Fan is short for fanatic. This is kind of how it works. But I think what needs to be addressed here, to your point, Bryson, it's not so much that it was statistically bad, right? I get 256 yards in the first half. You got nine points. You know, that beautiful man that Nick refers to. At least legend. Legend, sir. After, for what I would just call the football gods forsaking you in the red zone, you're still able to win the football game against an opponent that has what they have at home. Guys, this is a road game. (laughs) We got, we we didn't even need a practice on the Masters Academy blue field to win it. it, It's, and you know, Nick, I remember you mentioning this to, to us earlier that we ended Boise States like over two, just over two, 22 straight games where they won the home opener. Correct. Last time they did it. Oh, just like the field goal record. I also was not alive. 2001. <laughs> I, was, I was barely. Now, uh, now you're just rubbing it in at this point. I mean, <laughs> I, I'm not. It's been, a long time is the, it's been a long time is the punchline to that. But looking at this compare comparison here, because I because Stat Broadcast is a haven of statistical information. <laughs> the the numbers I'm seeing here. I mean. You look at the at some of the differences between UCF and UCF and Boise State in this one, and it, it's it's a wonder why this game why this game was not a, a a further margin of victory. But I think we can take a little bit of solace in that, Kyle. You mentioned that you know it's it, that it was more of a timing issue, and if anything else. A timing issue seems like something that should be able to be fixed or at least addressed rather quick, quickly. Question. Well, I don't mean timing in the sense of like you know between the players and just just in the time where the mistakes happen, happens just seemed right. to happen, right? You know they're just about the score. Oh, it's a turnover. Like, which, I mean, really could be argued, could kind of go both ways. Although I don't think it would work out exactly like that. The way those plays happen, I don't think it happened on another spot on the field. The other uh, defensive backs are just all kind of mushed together because it's a shorter field. So I think that contributed it too, right? But you got you got balls going through the hands of, of, of pretty reliable guys. Guys is that same evening in Baker and Hudson both would make a spectacular catch or a few throughout the game. And by the way, I don't. I know it's not uh, Plumlee's most statistically impressive game. We don't need to bring up the interceptions. We've already uh, managed to apologize for him enough on that there, Bryce. Zero picks on the night. What's that? Zero. He had zero, zero picks, picks on, the on the night. I like how you're doing that, Nick. Well done. Yeah. And the completion, all of the above there too, may not be his best. And, and, and this is not me saying it's bad, by the way. I will take... Um, four completions for every six passes. I will, that is 67% for a guy who's supposed to be an inaccurate passer. It's pretty brilliant, you know, for, for an athletic guy that's relying on his feet. And also the touch that Plumlee has come to put on to passes. He looked, he looked miles better throwing the ball against this team than he did against Kent State, and we know how that ended, okay? It may not be his best statistical performance as a night, gentlemen, but I think tonight's 
performance was his best performance passing that we've seen with him wearing black and gold. 100%. I mean, if you look at, at our prediction articles, every time I keep saying he needs to prove that he can throw, that is where he struggled last last year. Today, he's hitting deep balls. He looked great. Like, the statistics do not sh- show how important he was to this win. Just like the statistics really don't tell that what this game is. These statistics don't tell me that this was an ugly game. These statistics tell me how the heck was is that the score? That's what I'm taking away from that. Well, there's plenty of statistics to point to an ugly game. Just look at turnovers and time of possession. You'll see your anomalies, my friend. <laughs> yeah. I, I so. will say that <clears throat> that one catch that Javon Baker made on the sidelines that the commentators called Marvin Harrison Jr. S. That one, that was a that one was a really good a really good placement there by John, by John Rice, where just putting it where he knew Javon would be Only able to get Javon. the ball. Only yeah. Javon would get yeah. the ball. Yes. Um. Looking by the way, so looking through the Twitterverse, I've been we've been kind of looking through there while uh while you guys are talking. John Rice Plumley has posted. To his Twitter X, I refuse to call it X, Twitter account where he has simply posted the letter W. So he he has been on on his phone in the last little little bit to kind of just address Night Nation, which is good. No updates yet in terms of his condition, but I have to feel like that if he is injured injured it, because I for a sec I thought for some reason I thought maybe he would have just been concussed because of the hit that he took but I but if, if he was on if he's on his phone he def, it's that that's definitely not it so if something is wrong if anything's going on it probably has something to do with his legs which is why he was kind of helped off the feet off the feet off the field there in the dugout we also got on the twitter on the twitterverse we also got a, a acknowledgement from Colton Boomer from UCF kickers past from both Daniel Obarski and the NFL's Matt Prater. Matt Prater t- uh, tagged Colton Boomer on Twitter, call, calling him clutch. So UCF is so Colton Colton Boomer. I, last year he he was I think the freshman phenom, but this but this game I think is now really established himself as kind of a. A, a member of the of UCF lore, I really do like because you can because like it was his coming out party, in my opinion, it really right. was. Yeah, well, I, I mean, well, listen for for by the way, for reg for referencing uh, UCF Twitter kicker verse, Wright came out and had a series of goats <laughs> with uh, Colt Boomer on on Twitter as well. Nobody calls it X Bryson anyway. So um, no, I, I think there was a lot a lot going on. Um, with that in general too, man. It, it's good to see them support uh, Boomer. You could call it a coming out party, but you know, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. For to do. like non UCF fans, to me, I already I already knew he was really good because you know I was watching. Yeah, I think it's more of the fact, that, in my opinion, that Colton Boomer was because was a freshman. Because remember, he hadn't had a kick. I think a, a, a made a kick in competition that was 50 yards or longer until today, which is what, which is really the biggest test for him. Freshman you said twice. his personal best twice. Right. Right. <clears throat> so it's like, okay, he's a good kicker, especially as a freshman last year, he's good, but let's see what he can do as he gets better. And this is where I would say like, this is where like, okay, we like, you know, we have like the, the kicker heritage of, you know, Matt Prater, Matthew Wright, Sean Moffitt, and this is where Colton Boomer really, I think, I think is now made that made a, I think a case for himself to say, "Hey, I'm the next person in that line 
of great UCF kickers right there because he, I mean, he tied the longest field goal in school history. So that's, which it hasn't, which by, which has not been done in a while, a while. In fact, I don't think we've actually seen a UCF kicker make a, make a kick over 50 yards in quite a bit, 50 yards or longer, quite a bit. We haven't seen one actually hit one from long of hit one from like, I would say longer than 52 since like 08. According well, to the book I'm seeing. So it's, it's been it sets it's, the table. He still has, he still has 2.8 years to truly show it off. Yeah, that, that is very true. And that, uh, very true. And the fact that he still has that long and he's, he's already done it now as a sophomore. Now that really is encouraging. Is encouraging. Really, really encouraging. Absolutely encouraging to see. And today we and today he he's getting he get, he's getting his just due. I think we're probably we're because I think it's really rare, honestly, that 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 we can really say that the kicker is the MVP and not like for one play because kickers are obviously put in a very high pressure situations all the time in football. And you could say, oh, the kicker's the MVP for just kicking the game winning kick and then a bunch of extra points. But here, <laughs> he, he got like the majority of the points, yeah. which is not something you can say very often, especially very, very often. He scored 12 out of the 18 points. Just absolutely, well, absolutely nuts from him. Um, now, I'm also now I'm also seeing throughout the comments now because uh, because we talked about John Rice Plumley getting injured. <clears throat> I think if there was any time for this to happen, because there's no ideal time for anyone to get injured, but if there uh, but if there ever was one, the fact is that you next game is going to be against FCS Villanova. Now it's UCF's turn to have their little FCS cupcake game, and. You mean another one? I think that that's a game where I mean, I feel like that's a game you would want to have ju- sit down John Rice Plumley anyway for a little bit and have Timmy McLean get a lot more reps. But considering the situation that we might find John Rice Plumley in right now, do you think we could see Timmy McLean just start that game and be in there the whole the whole time? That is a good question. Well, I'll say this. We don't really know anything about his injury such that it is. I mean, you you come up with a fine theory that if he's looking at his phone, he's not having headaches. But there's a lot more to protocol than that. Um, And I know he was getting checked out on the sideline for that. I'm sure he's going to have his knee looked at. Um, It's nice to hear loosely that he's not walking gingerly, you know. Um, But I like the concept of throwing in Timmy McClain and seeing what you have in that situation where Nick, you're basically playing against a basketball team, right? Yeah, essentially. The Villanova's time of the sports calendar isn't for a few more months. So. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's our cupcake game. So I would not be against giving him some reps, especially because I thought that when he came in in relief against Kent state, he looked pretty good. Yeah, yeah. He what was it? He was a three for five or in completions. I forget exactly. I don't remember off the top of my head. But um, while he didn't get as many reps as I would have liked personally, the ones he did have looked pretty good. You're right about that, Nick. Well, yeah, led two touchdown drives. Doesn't have any touchdowns yet. He handed them off, but I would not be surprised if he gets his first UCF touchdown against Villanova next week. 
table seems to be set for that. Well, and and and, and I get you know that 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 maybe he didn't run the touchdowns in personally, but the thing I want to concentrate on is this isn't like a lot of other guys who were thrown out there and just had would break off a big run themselves. Um, you know, like Tommy Castellanos did, who's now seemingly starting for Boston College. So I should tell you everything about their quarterback situation. But, you know, he's actually delivering passes. There's some actual pass talent there. Uh, and, you know, now granted, it's all different when you're getting thrown out there. And, you know, I would never want to necessarily see the first action in that scenario, should UCF need him, being against a Baylor and OSU and Oklahoma or any of that group. Yeah, maybe Houston, that's fine, but we all know that's the last game of the year. Um, but, yeah, I think this is uh, over and above John Rice's situation. I think this is a, a good opportunity to get a bit more polish on these guys. I'm not going full Dale, Dylan Gabriel starting ahead of Brandon Winbush and expecting somebody to be supplanted. That's not what's happening here. I think you're bringing in a guy to be ready to come in if and when probably John Rice Plumley will need to miss time. Yes, I remember seeing a comment actually earlier that talked about Plumley injury being an inevitability, and I think that's the way the back a backup quarterback really has to kind of live some live sometimes. Is that even if it's not for injury, because obviously injury is not the the ideal way to step into a game, there is going to have you have you can kind of treat your career as like okay, you're going to need me to come in at some point. I have to be ready for when my number gets called. And it's it gets called, and that's what Mikey Keene had to do. Mikey Keene had to do last year, and that's what Timmy McLean has had to do this year. Uh, by the way, Stephen Leonard of Two Four Seven Sports tweeted 15 minutes ago that JRP left the stadium on crutches. That uh, that is crutches. So we will. Uh, there's been other rumors flying around about other real injury related things, but uh, Stephen Leonard, friend of the friend friend of the show, has reported he left on crutches. So hopefully that hopefully it's not that serious, but Timmy, regardless, Timmy McLean, I think is probably going to end up seeing some time ne- next week. Who knows who else we'll get to see. Like, I remember, I, I feel like the, the Villanova game is a, is a situation where it's almost similar to Kent state where it's time to now kind of assess what we ha- assess, what we have and see what we're and see what works moving forward. Now obviously we don't want to be, you know, Northern Illinois or something like that because you know, ob- because obviously we don't want to you don't want to treat them lying down, but it's a good opportunity to just see what see what you have and be able to also in the event that John Rice Plumley would have to miss more time to get Timmy McLean acclimated and ready to go because after that you start conference play. <laughs> precisely the point i can't agree with it any better than you just put it there bryson i mean nick nick i can't either we're we're playing with the big boy soon i mean this i would i would actually say because i remember that before the when i saw the schedule come out i was thinking to myself like this is not exactly the best conference schedule to have going in, in your first season into the Big 12 because you have Kent State and Villanova, which, you know, put, you know, again, like, because Kent, Kent State being what it was, being what it was, the situation where it ended up being, it's it just was like, oh, man, that's not something that can really test your team. You know, this was the non-conference game where this team would get tested before they would they go up against the power opponents of the Big 12. And honestly, 
It's not the way we thought they'd get tested, but they got tested and they prevailed. Yeah. And I I want to ask and to clarify, was that the first UCF game-winning drive that Plumlee ever has ever led? Because I don't think he did it last year. Well, he didn't technically lead the Holy Holler. That's accurate. No, that was Mikey Keane. We had one against Cincinnati. That was also Keane. I yeah. think this is the first time that you could call John Rice Plumlee truly clutch in the final moments of the game. Uh, I'd have to look. He was big in the two-lane game, the first one, um, in that particular instance, too. He had a huge fourth-down conversion on a tricky pass involving uh, Isaiah Bowser. So. I know what you're, yeah, I know what you're talking about, but I believe I think we were up at that point. We were just trying to like kill the clock. It, it wasn't game winning necessarily, no. Right. I think this is our. I'm, that's what I mean. I think this might have been the first time he had to come from behind, or lead a drive. I don't want to give him all the credit because the entire offense just worked perfectly on that final drive, and they all deserve credit for that. But that was yeah. the first time I, I can ever say about. I feel like I can ever say about John Light. He really stepped it up and led a very important clutch drive. Like, I, I'm serious. I saw something out of that man tonight that I don't think I've ever seen and so far while he's been at UCF. Well, and we've always seen John Rice Pumley be a competitor. I don't think you're questioning that. But oh, 100% no. I'm not questioning yeah. that. But I, I think there was an element and a grace and, and a calculated and, – and, and I hate to use the word that's overused here, but poise – uh, is what we're looking at. And, and, and just that I think UCF fans should expect a drop-off when Plumlee's not in the game. I get that. And and for all the complaining there was about him supplanting Mikey King, which was 100% the correct uh, decision for JRP to have started last year. People just haven't figured it out yet. Um, but I think he was going to be even even if Castellanos was still around, even if Mikey Keene didn't transfer, John Rice Plumley still should have been the starter this season. A hundred percent, Sam. Because to be honest, I I still like Mikey Keene, even though he's not here. But I sure. don't know if he would have been able to do that tonight. What John Rice Plumley did tonight. And I'll build on that this way. Boise also has a quarterback that's reliant on physical play. You saw what happened to them tonight. And because um, Taylor Green is what he is as a Viking giant who relies on physical play, Mikey Keene with Fresno State might have the opportunity to beat him as well on the blue turf. It'll be a great time for all involved should that happen. Speaking of other, speaking of other college football programs, let's actually take a quick look because we're going to be facing them in competition soon. And so let's see what else the around the big the Big Twelve has been able to do across college fo- across the college football world this Saturday. We can- Big Twelve team did something pretty notable. In true, uh, so true. The Texas Longhorns beat the University of Alabama Crimson Tide thirty-four to twenty-four. That that sir, if that doesn't put the college football world on notice, I don't know what is. Let's fire up Connor Smith, boys. Let's go. Uh, yeah. And now every Crimson Tide fan is going to Twitter to complain that the dynasty is dead and that Nick Saban needs to be fired. Yeah. Well. Okay, I, don't know. I mean, I'll put it this way. When you had to take a late a transfer as late as Alabama did, that already tells you something about your quarterback situation is pretty awful. And Bryce Young is the only reason why they were close and um, won with the officials' help against Texas last year. So there's that. But I digress. Yes. I think that I think that the the most 
uh, the pressing game was th this one here with Utah and Baylor, though, with Utah managing to squeak out the win there. I was watching that game early, uh, earlier with my family, and I honestly thought Baylor might have had it, and then they didn't. What had happened was <laughs> – I, I mean, mean, they should have come out with a lot of fire. They just lost to Texas State. You know, you want a rebound off of that. They just well, I, I mean, it's like you're right there in the end zone, and then you reach up, and then you drop the ball, and it's intercepted too, too real too soon. Sorry. We won. I'm, I'm cool with it now. <laughs> yeah. so here's a question for you, because Baylor is now Owen is now Owen to is now Owen two, which means that you know, which means that no matter what happens, they are going to come into UCF, UC to the bounce house with a losing record. So the question is, is that do you think? that their performance today against the number 12 ranked Utah team, does this reflect poorly on Baylor or do you think that maybe Texas state was just good? A week one's a funny thing, Bryson, but I, I think the element you're going to get, especially as we continue to speculate, you know, as uh, doctors in the same manner that George Clooney was one on ER, right. You know, um, it, it, it's, it, it's going to be a rough situation for all involved, but Baylor's going to come into town with a losing record. UCF fans are going to be, you know, high on, on what would, where it presumably would be three, and zero going into that game. I'm not calling a Villanova upset. Call me cocky if you'd like. Um, but, you know, I, I think with all that in mind, if Baylor's coming to town with a losing record, uh, fan, UCF fans will be incredibly disappointed if they lose, regardless of John Rice Plumley's health situation, such that it is, we got or I got o Oregon going into uh, getting the win over te over Texas Tech. Though it certainly was a close one. Kansas State and BYU put away their respective opponents. Oklahoma keeping it a little keeping it a little close with the SMU with the SMU Mustangs, who now will have a future home in the ACC. Uh, what do you what do you what do you make of the Sooners? Because I imagine that because that's a, I imagine that's a game a lot of UCF fans have circled now for not just the re, uh, another reason, but the fact is is that I I have a feeling we're now going to get a lot of boomer jokes that week. Um, well, I mean, yeah, one, one may want a boomer sooner than later. I see what you're saying there, Bryson Turner. But uh, listen, Oklahoma hasn't showed anybody anything yet. You know, I, I, I'm not here. I'm not in a big hurry to take off my so socks and count the number of things on my toes that I seem impressive from them. I won't have enough for that. I had to get a sock reference in there somehow. You get that. Yeah. It's too, but I, it's too early in the season. I, I usually think like week four is probably a good time where you can start judging teams, maybe even week three at the earliest. But What calculated points of view? What are you thinking, Nick? We're speculating. <laughs> well, I will – you know, okay. I was, we, we we ended up getting Cincinnati getting the win over over another P five team in Pittsburgh, and then and and then how about Rice in Houston? Man, I mean, I, I mean, let's let's. Let, to be fair, I mean, you do have J T. Daniels, number like uh, who's on his umpteenth school now, but when but man, that's I, just that's just awesome. Just look at that. <laughs> it's, it's fun. let's just put it this way it's it's a it's a fun conference to be a part of like one of the reasons i really love being in the big 12 is that it, it, it's just real it's just fun to see some to see some it's just a very fun conference to play in like you 
you have the rival the 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 matchup that should be rivalry week between Iowa and Iowa State. Yet and Iowa get the win there. Yeah, they'll certainly be in the top ten in no time since that happened. <clears throat> yeah, right, Leah wrongly. Right, Leah wrongly. This right. guy gets it. Yeah, I. So, because now conference play is getting is getting closer, and I guess really, I mean, we can't. We keep, it. It kind of ends up coming back to now. What is going to be the issue? Because so far, I'm look. Uh, I have been looking through, scouring the internet for the for a little while, and so far, there doesn't seem to be any updates from on the, from John uh, from the John Rice Plumley or anyone of uh, post game press conferences are beginning to kind of come out now for uh come out now uh come out now a friend of the show brandon helwick has got there got that going now so we'll, we'll, we can probably hopefully so we'll see if we can get some uh, update updates from that but what do you th- what but what do you what do you think what do you think gentlemen what do you what how do you think we should kind of come away from this one because there's let's put let's put it this way because now the relief has kind of happened like that first sense of relief so now that you that you know we've talked through it a lot more, what do you think this game is going to end up doing? Uh, end up go end up kind of doing for UCF going forward, other than you know giving us a uh, potential need for heart attack medication. I mean, well, w- what form is that heart attack medication coming? If you're referencing John Rice Plumley, what you essentially did was, yes, Mrs. Lincoln, but other than that part where your husband got shot, how was the show? Okay, let me be clear, like. Anything that we're pulling out of here now is a big shadow cast over it because of the Plumley injury situation such that it is. And I'd hate to be playing the Eric Lopez role here right now, but <clears throat> the facts of the case are those, and I don't think anyone will have them in dispute. A- at this point, gentlemen, not knowing uh, Plumley's future, and, and we listen, we're not going to get anything tonight. I'm doubtful we'll get anything tomorrow from the availability from the coordinators. It, it may not even be Monday until they look John Rice Plumley over, which means we probably won't get anything from Gus Malzahn that afternoon. Um, so really, for all intents and purposes, we won't know a lot about John Rice Plumley until Saturday based on if and when they actually play him. Um, and then how, he, how it looks he'll start against Baylor will be a question after that. But uh, the bad part about that is there is so much positive I would actually pull from this game. You handed, at the least, gentlemen, you left Nine points on the table because we're assuming Bo- Boomer would have made all three of those field goals. I'll tell you what, and as much as twenty-one points on the table, uh, or uh, 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 yeah, on the table in what would have been a blowout of a game, to where Eric Lopez, with all his doubt, oh, you're playing with the big boys now. You need this one. You would have blown Boise State out and taken advantage of the fact that they didn't have their starting quarterback in the second half to make it a blowout. Instead, you spotted them, and then you beat them. I like the resolve. The offensive line played great. I've cited the big performers in the defensive front. My main concerns would would have been the defensive secondary, just as they were last week, but now John Rice Plumley's situation just puts a cloud on all of it. Well, be careful uh, when you invoke the, uh, invoke that name, uh, Kyle, because speak of the devil and he shall appear. Somebody mentioned me. Yes. I did. I, I felt like I was playing the role tonight of you bringing some reality to the situation. Uh, yeah. Well, returned from the UCF campus yes. where we called UCF men's soccer's 2-0 victory over Brown. Eric Lopez, ladies and gentlemen. 
Number six ranked UCF Knights. Let's get that straight, right? We have a log. Want to fill you in? So I just watched Gus Malzahn's press conference. He was not asked about John Rice Plumley's status because the media, the, the media that was there, was not aware of John Rice Plumley's injury. So I don't. It then did not come up in the post game. So if you're expecting to hear Gus talk about the uh, JRP's injury tonight, you're probably not going to get it. Uh, at least not right away. Now, he wouldn't have known anything yet anyway. Yeah. Well, let me ask you guys, because, I mean, full disclosure, as Bryce had mentioned, I called soccer. I listened to the last five, six minutes of the football game via the radio with Mark and Gary. When did – did anybody know when JRP got hurt? Because uh, I – and then apparently there was a, uh, a targeting that wasn't called. Mark and Gary were arguing that there should have been a targeting call when he ran – uh, late in that last drive, and they didn't call a targeting. I believe the ball got him to the, about the 30-yard line at the time or right. something like that. I, I, I don't yeah. know if you remember what you're talking about, Kyle. But give me your yeah, thoughts no. on those two things. Yeah, and we touched on that a bit too. So to kind of to kind of restate that, you know, Nick brought up the point about the targeting such that it was, and I think it was actually on the broadcast. No, not only you guys calling the game, but Dean Blandino, who actually got it right here, is there, the refs are looking for that, those three things, right? Um, defenseless play, player, crown of the helmet, head-to-head contact. While there was a head-to-head element, um, the defensive player wasn't leaning with, with the crown of his helmet, and um, JRP was not clearly defenseless at that point. And I think the main, the biggest problem, too, and, and I think I mentioned this before, is it was a matter of Plumley possibly, and I'm guessing, because he when he starts to move forward, when his legs start to go forward, it's so late in the play – you can't tell if he's sliding or just kind of falling on his butt. I, I think Blandino made that point as well. And because if you can't tell in a slow motion replay what the intent of a player is, how on earth can you do it as a player, let alone an official from afar, right? Now, you know, I, I can throw in my own personal concepts of how dirty a play it is for the defender to have his elbow up in the general direction of John Rice Pullman's head. That's some dirty pool. I'd have had something to say in him to him as an offensive lineman in the next play. Separate conversation. But as far as the actual call itself, I, I was not I was not perturbed it was targeting. I was more perturbed to see John Rice Plumley's leg bend under itself. He probably So that was the play where he got hurt. That's the play where he got hurt. It was, it was the actually moment, right? his last play. I think it was actually his last play of the day. Because I think was. they yeah. they ran down yeah, the block. They ran it after that. Football. After yeah, I, I, I think what you might be seeing is something tantamount to what Travis Kelsey suffered this past Thursday or going into this. That past would be best case scenario if that's what it is, because, I mean, yeah. you're playing Villanova next week. You don't need him against Villanova. You need him in two weeks. So, you know, ideally. Give, give young Bryson Turner credit. He brought that point to the table himself, my friend. Of course, it already cost me in fantasy football, Travis Kelsey's injury. But that's all their story for another show. So, Eric, <laughs> so Eric, so Eric I, I know you're a big UCF historian, so I have a, a question for you. So Colton Boomer nailed a 55-yard field goal, tied the school records uh, set by Ed O'Brien. What year did he kick that field goal? Was that 87? Nope. Close. What was it, 86? No. Knock it up. All right, go ahead. Tell me what the year is. Kyle, Kyle's amused by this trivia game, so just go I ahead. I am, because you're that close, buddy. He kicked that field goal on September 7th, 1985. 85? September 7th. Well, you were that close. 
That's not too bad. I knew his years or his play. Well, I'm so disappointed in you, Bryce, and Nick. I mean, I I described the Colton Boomer. He just took a page out of Chloe Evans, did a walk-off against Boise. I mean, that's what we do against Boise teams, evidently. I know. It's just, we, I we, just we, praised we, that man on here. I called him a beautiful, beautiful man. We talked, about the online. we talked about the 2021 game. It was that. Then Chloe Evans against Baylor on the softball against Boise on the softball field. Now we go on the blue field and we do that. We played th- we played them on three different color fields, and it's for and because well because softball's brown. There's no grass in the in the infield. Oh wow! Shot fired. Oh, by the way, if you want to do this, so no matter the color of the field, no matter what the color of the field is, it just seems to be. Find it a way to get a win. Find it a way to get a win. That's the moral of the story. Enough, I, I want to ask you guys a question, and to do so, you need to put your mind and turn turn yourself into Boise State fans for a second. What is a more heartbreaking loss: blowing a twenty-one point lead in twenty twenty-one, or losing to on a last-second field goal at home this year? Oh, so it's 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 the, yeah, it's the twenty it's the twenty-one point lead in the bounce house, one hundred percent. Um, because if I'm a Boise State fan, I can, well, our backup quarterback had to come in and they hurt Taylor. If that didn't happen, by golly, we would could have gotten them. You know, that's that's clearly the line of defense for me. Bryson? Or, I, yeah, so you're going to go. I, I, I honestly could take that. I honestly feel like that this one could honestly be worse because at least this one was at home. I mean, if you lose on a last-second field goal at home, that is a very demoralizing loss to have, especially the fact that they robbed you of potentially going to the next home game for free. Because of that- I, think, I think Boise fans are just distraught right now because they're really a has-been program. They're going nowhere. Oh, there we go. They're, they're the outside of the community. Let me ask you something because, obviously, again, I was following it as best as I can. Obviously, I'm on the air calling a soccer match, which is there's no breaks. So unfortunately, so I'm pretty much getting updates in my ear, and I'm following the phone. I'm following you guys. I'm, I'm following social media on the group chat. It sounded like the receivers had a tough night. Uh, and what I'm listening is that accurate? Kyle? Are you guys Ooh. describing here tonight? Oh, hey, you on that. yeah. I wouldn't say tough nights, but boy, they sure had tough moments um, in the game. I think these. This is just. Uh, you need to call up Jim Carrey. We have a series of unfortunate events. That, that, I mean, listen, if, if those plays go that way anywhere else on the field, it doesn't turn into the disaster we saw. You don't get those picks without a short field like being in the red zone. Right. Wasn't there a pick? I think I listened to one where he threw – Baker went off his hands and it was picked and it was a touchback, right? Whereas he catches – if he Correct. holds on to it, it's a touchdown, right? It happened, yeah. it happened twice. Like what happened in the uh, – what Kadarius Tony did in the Lions-Chiefs oh. games, it happened twice. Those were both the picks. Those were perfect throws. Receiver had it. Yeah. Boinked off right into the hands of the defender. Yeah. So, yeah. One, one of them was a touchback. The other was just bad field position for Boise. So take what you will. Well, let me ask you that. Have we overhyped this receiving core too much? Have, no. Like they're good? No. I mean, no. is it, are, you, are you just you're just saying this is just an off night? It's, you know, it's an off moment there. Don't, don't overreact to it. I don't even yeah. know if I'd call it an off night. We were talking about this earlier. There were those were like the only two drops. It's just they were very, very costly. So I don't know if I'd say overhyping because okay. those same receivers, they were dropping that, but then they're making a catch where they're like have one foot down and their body's halfway bent over the out of bound line. As they're so like they're making incredible catches. So I don't even know if I'd say they had an off night. I just think they just made two very costly mistakes. 
Okay, but yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, although, if I remember correctly, Kyle, you can tell me if I'm wrong. Didn't this was this? That sounds like the same story in the two the game two years ago. Wasn't like one of Dylan Gabriel's pick six against Boise off a receiver's hit, right? Deflection. No no, 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 no. He threw it right to the guy. Uh, oh, that was the one in the end zone, right, right, right. But I thought there was yeah. another one that was deflector. Maybe I'm thinking oh, Louisville. Louisville. Maybe I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, th I was saying that in the chat. This game reminds me a lot of the Louisville. The only difference, and I said it earlier. John Rice Pumley last against Louisville had a chance to lead a game-winning drive, and he and he failed. Not this time. How should we feel leaving this game, guys? How should we leave? Because obviously there's good, bad, and right there's all. You did win the game, but obviously Plumley's injury is a concern. Uh, like I said, there I don't think we're going to get any updates tonight. We may not. And Kyle, you know this as well as anybody. We may not get a full update on Monday, depending on what the injury is. If, yeah, I said you know. earlier, we're not going to know a whole lot until Saturday, honestly, to see yeah. what happens. I think. We're so, how do you? We're, yeah. I don't think we're going to. I honestly think that this game is going to kind of evolve with time. When we look, once we, for example, once we learn what Plumlee's injury is, if it was a, if it was a, a injury that does not require him to miss a lot of time then I think we feel a little better about this game in terms of that. If it's a lot of time, then we're thinking like, oh, man, it happened again. And By, by the way, let, let's let's settle down on the, all the chatter about, hey, look, he's wearing this and he's wearing a braid. Listen, they, they're about to go on a long flight, I believe, in the morning to Boise. So they're going to take every precaution regardless of what the injury is. Of course, they're going to put air, you know, all the stuff around his foot. So let's not like – play this amateur doctor right now oh look he's wearing this and he's doing that like let's just let the people that know what they're doing address it they'll yeah. take care of him and let's hope for the best unless uh, he graduated him. medical school shut up that's all i well i'm seeing this a lot i've been following the chat and there's a lot he's wearing this and he's like settle down <laughs> like let's relax there's i mean kyle and i have covered so many post games how many times have we seen athletes leave a locker room with you know all this stuff in their bodies, you're like, oh, they're they're not. And then the next thing you know, they're ready to go the next day or the next week. So that's not, let's not like get all you know, overhype the uh, as we tend to do on social media with injuries. Eric, I have a question for you. Did uh, so? Did you did you listen to just Gus's post game, or did you listen to the players as well? I just listened to briefly some of Gus, some of the highlights stuff. Uh, not all of it, uh, but I did listen to some of Gus. So you, you talked about what Gus didn't say, which was which was about John Rice Plumley. But uh, can you talk can you talk about a little bit about what he did say? Well, I think he obviously feels the coaching staff could do some better jobs on certain play uh, things. I don't know, Kyle. You're shaking your head. You know what he's talking about. I, he, I absolutely. You know, yeah, there were what? some decisions that were made at questionable yeah. times. There were some certain yeah. strategies. I don't know that it yes. came up in particular to Addison Wilson going to the three-four or the four-three particular times. I don't know if that's reference. There was a the fourth down call that was discussed uh, early. I guess they went for it, didn't get it. Is that? Uh, yeah, uh, and that would have been with the five cat, and we discussed that. It wasn't so much the play call itself as as it was kind of the direction yes. it was run. Right? If you have Jordan McDonald, uh, who who is the wrecking ball that he is. Um, you have him attacking the middle. You don't have him going to the outside, especially towards an overshifted part of the line um, that uh, Boise was sporting at that particular moment. So, and, and, and that's another one of those revisionist things that it, it would be really easy to be like to say it was not right, bad play call. There was a lot of it that was wrong, um, but 
my main criticism of it was, and we talked about it on Night Shift earlier in the week, Elo, this Boise State group up front's better than I think they were necessarily prepared for. I think they are, they're opting to experiment to see if the five cat would be successful against Boise in a moment where you could regain momentum after handing it to them in the first place um, after the, the Hudson drop, which was the first red zone turnover, right? Um, you know, that may not have been the place to experiment. Also the RJ Harvey uh, uh, situation where he was in a running back pass scenario on a third down, completely makeable, too much trickeration. You were on, you had momentum, you could have been running people over. Um, you know, some of that I think, was a fair criticism. And it, honestly, there's an element of me, not necessarily as somebody who's following UCF, but as somebody who just hates seeing missed opportunities in general, I'm somewhat relieved to hear Gus address it personally. Can't forget about that weird two-point conversion call that they made. That's... Yeah, yeah that wasn't... Uh, I don't think they was asked about that. He was upset. He felt that was targeting on JRP. He was very upset that that was not called. Uh, that was also the, uh, that was mentioned in the press conference. So it, it, got, looked bad, it looked bad in, in, in fast motion. I, I, I get frustration there. Um, you know, I, I think it's a situation where JRP needed to have given – it's easy for me to say I have Captain Hindsight flying with me. Um, you know, but he, um, he – I feel like that's one where he decided to slide too late. Um, is the biggest problem. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, that's fair. He slid a little bit earlier, but he would have gone in it. But also, he could have maybe gone in it. It was ticky-tack. It was close. So, Eric, Eric, this is a very interesting thing that I'm thinking about. So, considering the mistake, that mistakes occurred in in the red zone, do you think that there is still some solace in the fact that this offense really can mo- seem to move the ball? Like, yeah. like, I feel like the, I feel like this because I feel like that the red zone struggles that this offense had today mostly came from those from those like little those, those little moments. You know? Well, but again, we, first of all, we don't know what Plumlee's status is, and Kyle. The question is, what was your thoughts on the line? Are you sold? Are you still got questions on the both on the line? Because that's the other thing, right? Like you're going to face better fronts moving forward. With, with respect to Boise State, you're going to face better fronts in the Big Twelve. So I, I guess really that's the question, Kyle. Is where how did this team match up up front? Well, and to your point, Boise State is playing against a a a, a what is supposed to be a one of the tougher Pac-12 teams last week and up front wasn't the issue so it's not that this group is bad in the trenches and elo i I said it earlier there were only what i thought were three particularly bad snaps by the offensive line unfortunately two of them on third down that's life but more of that bad timing stuff i guess but no overall i was i was enthused by what the o-line did um you know only two penalties um that i can recall off the top of my head um, you don't see many penalties from 7-7, but Lokahe Peoli, you know, it happens, you know. Overall, I'll put it this way, Elo. How long did it take UCF to get right up front to the point that they did, even when we were able to pick them apart later in the season at times, right? Tylen Grable is not what he was last year, for example, at the left tackle position, right? It took them four to six weeks last year to truly get tough, right? We talk about their coming out party being the Cincinnati game last year. We know how deep in the season. That's October. 
This one, this group is already more gelled than that group with one week difference in action. Well, that's encouraging. That's encouraging to me. And, and like I said, we'll see what happens with Plumlee. But here's what I will say. If Timmy McClain is called to duty. It's not like the offense is going to drastically change. It's not like you're going from one guy to a completely different style. You know, and I spoke to Darren Hinshaw at Media Day, and they have a package for him. He's gotten better and better. I'm not saying that's ideal, but he has experience. He's played in, in big games. He's got, ex- you know, so if you have to go to Timmy McClain, I like the fact that you're not, you don't have to drastically change your offense, unlike the kid from Fresno who's playing on FS5 or wherever Fresno State games air. <laughs> the, the Cinco. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, I know that name's going to be, I'm sure that name's been brought up. Uh, but it is what it is. Hopefully, we, you know, but Timmy McClain, that's the opportunity he might be presented with uh, this upcoming week, next week against Villanova. And the fact, Kyle, that you are encouraged by the offensive line also gives me optimism for whether it's JRP coming back or Timmy McClain being successful. Because as you know, if the line is solid, you got a chance. And this team is going to run the ball. It, they're going to run first, pass, second. That's who they are. Well, I'll put it this way. I don't necessarily – when you say first, I think you mean to say they're going to run more. And, and, and in, um, I, right, I, you right, know, right. I didn't – for all the talk we did, Bryson, I did not check the number of plays of one to the other. But, I mean, 41 to 24, I mean, that's not necessarily balanced. But I'll say this, Elo – um, if you come out and you're stacking the box, John Rice Plumley's done enough to where I feel confident he can put it over the top on you with some good touch. All right. I can see that. Eric, I did actually want to ask you this, by the way, because uh, this win of UCF 18-16 against Boise State means that, you see, that UCF Sports has now won every single game they played today, and you were at the other two. You, we talked about how you were at the men's soccer matchup where number six ranked UCF beat Brown 2-0. But you also were at a very eventful volleyball matchup before that, weren't you? Well, yeah, today was survival Saturday for UCF teams, evidently. <laughs> Find a way to win. May not have been pretty, but they won, and that's the story, right? Football wins ugly. Wins, you know, Volleyball had to come back from a two-set to one deficit to beat North Texas in five sets. UCF is soccer is scoreless at halftime with Brown. They get two goals in the second half to win. By the way, you can catch all the post-game press conferences exclusively on blackandgoldbanneret.com on our YouTube page. We'll have those uh, videos on the recaps for Nightcap, and those some of those interviews actually might be on the next podcast. But uh, Survival Saturday, right? Isn't that the way to describe this day, Kyle? Survival <laughs> Saturday. Found a way to win the game. And, and you know – and by the way, for people that are thinking that we're, you know, be, you know that, oh well, you're, are you being too nice to Plumley? Kyle, you've been a you've been a skeptic of Plumley in oh, the sure. past. Sure, a hundred percent, right? And so that's I, I, I just want to go back to that statement you just made. That is a significant statement coming from you that you feel much more confident in what John Rice can do now over the air based on what you've seen here in the two games. Oh yeah, and I mean, if you go and listen to the Night Shift podcast, you know, on, on whatever podcatcher uh, podcatcher you're using. Um, you know, you'll hear me reference. We saw elements of that touch against Kent State, um, and and you know there was an element of in the interceptions he threw. There was an element of oh, effort. You know, um, 
One could argue that this is another instance of UCF playing with its food a bit too much, um, but this meal was a bit more spicy, perhaps. Um, that that can certainly be one uh, element to take. But yeah, John Rice Plumley um, is making better decisions, has more touch on his passes. There's definitely an element of if he puts a ball out, it's only where his guy can get it. And granted, you're seeing more of that, I would argue, because he's better protected at this point in the season by a long shot. By the way, I, I've seen now photos. UCF players leaving the stadium with some potatoes in their <laughs> hands with a smile on their face. Ooh. There you go. Oh. <laughs> Let's, I really hope that we're not going. This isn't another Clemson situation, and they're going and Boise fans are going to complain about uh, complain about it or something. I, I'm just telling you what I'm. I am from what I'm seeing with photos and videos there. Uh, Gus, by the way, did say he was very proud of the the team with facing the adversity they did tonight. He felt that was something he expected. Oh, he yeah. thinks that'll pay off in the long run. Yeah. Like yeah. that's I, my I, biggest thing. Just like over, like if there's one of the big positives. It's that this team showed its resolve, and that's something that I'm, as a UCF fan, I'm damn proud to see. That's yeah. one of my choice. No, that's a good take. That's a good take. By the way, Bryson, are you? Would you say earlier you're worried about Boise State, Boise State fans possibly being blue? No, no, they're not. They're not sad. Blue's not sad, Kyle. If anything, they'd be red. And that's a whole totally different. And that's a totally different school. And that's a totally angry. Yeah. Okay. Nobody said anything about Eastern Kentucky. Like no. Like the blues is a whole music style. How are you not getting this? You talk the oh. You're talking about the music style. Yeah, they have the blues. Come on. I, yeah, I mean, you know. that, that's more of a new. Yeah, but that's more of a New Orleans connection, though. When you talk about blue and Boise, you're talking about the color. Plus blue, feeling blue does mean sad. I think that's what he thought you meant. I'm sorry, Kyle. I think that might. Why would Boise State fans not be sad? They had an opportunity to win this football game. Listen, you're going to need to plead the Taylor Swift defense. It's you, hi. You're the problem. It's you. <laughs> Are you a Swifty? Are you a Swifty? I did not, not know that. Look at me. Do I look like a Swifty? I don't. Know. It is not. Let me ask you all, gentlemen, give me your thoughts on the defense. I haven't heard much defensive talk. Uh, talk talk about the defense. Gus, by the way, mentioned there was that play where the quarterback for Boise broke uh, like their pursuit and had a big play. He said give them credit. They were trying to bring pressure and things like that. But your overall thoughts defensively with this team? Yeah, I, I mean, we touched on it a bit earlier. Um, you know, it's, it's that element again. I feel like the only time the defensive front truly faltered was when they came out with that 3-4 look. Um, you know, not that they own, not not that they not that they didn't have some success with it at times, but overall, it worked less than it, or far, sorry, it failed more than it worked. I felt like, um, but you know, the defense, to their credit, I mean, if you could walk away giving up 16 points in a game where your offense turned the ball over twice, uh, three times you could argue with the turnover on downs. When you're when you're spotting the other team at least a dozen, you know, or nine anywhere from nine to 21 points. Um, you know, with missed opportunities where you're getting zero instead of at least a little bit of intervention from Colton Boomer. You, you got to feel good about that, you know, being able to walk away with the win. Um, I did thoroughly enjoy uh, what the defensive ends did tonight because having to go to 3-4 three, three, means you're being overworked. Um, Lawrence, of course, had a pretty good uh, key moment in the game. 
uh, later as well. So credit to him. But yeah, I, I uh, it's the defensive front I was thoroughly impressed with. Corey Thornton got a turnover. Um, that's always positive. So that's two straight games with the turnover. I think it's been a minute since UCF's done that. Um, it's definitely but, been a minute. Yeah. So with all that in mind, unfortunately, UCF has as many turnovers um, in takeaways this year as receivers do in giveaways in this game. <laughs> By the way, Gus was not happy with his discipline. He felt like uh, Boise, I guess, defensively kind of let their offense jump a couple times, plays there with motion. He didn't think they were disciplined as far as UCF with their motion game and all that. I don't know if you noticed anything there, Kyle, but that was um, something he also. There was there was a penalty or two, but I think that's I think that's a coach. You know, listen, when you win, you should treat your team like they lost. When you lose, you treat your team like they won because you're either trying to keep a team grounded when they win a relatively big game, like Boise is right to, to your to your statement earlier. This is the big boys now. UCF has to win this game against the G five team. All that. Um, so he's keeping them grounded, you know, and I think that's a good thing to do here. Well, and wouldn't you agree a coach's dream in a way is winning ugly because you win, but now you have so much tape that you could show your players, look at, we need to fix this. We got to improve that. Right. Isn't that the coaches love that they don't admit it, but they, part of them, they just, there's a part of them enjoys that nitpicking and they're going to, you know, and I think that's the case here as well. I think there's a lot of things they want to clean up and they could do better, but the most important thing is they got the win. Yeah, it might be more heart palpitations <laughs> during the game. But, um, yeah, afterward, and, and I think it's actually Johnny Dawkins. I, I, I mostly learned that lesson best from. Um, but, yeah, it's always nice to, to learn a lesson in a win, no question. And I think that's the story with all three teams tonight, Bryson. Both men's soccer, volleyball, didn't play clean, found a way to win, got things to work on, and they get move on to the next step, which is uh, for both soccer teams will be – Conference play. Men's soccer will be in the Sun Belt, and then volleyball will be in Purdue next weekend. Football plays Villanova. No Jay Wright, though, right, Kyle? No Jay Wright in the sidelines. This- <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry. I got more material. I'm warming. It's just a warm up for live. Listen, I'm just surprised you didn't use the S word to describe that game. Well, we a have Villanova a- team, you know, a team that somebody was floated as a possible Big 12 ad at some point. I, you know, I think it would be it would be a great basketball get. I'm just saying. Go ahead. We have more material in the comments section from well, 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 32. Or says, so can we still be mad at Gus for making Colton's only miss field goal that's 60 plus yarder last year? <laughs> well, that was a miscue though. That was a miscommunication, right? They weren't supposed to snap that ball. I remember that. Because he addressed that in the post. They were not supposed to snap that ball. That was a miscommunication. Man, how ironic is that? That not ironic, but I how funny is it that the, the right now the only miss of Colton Boomer's entire career co- right to this point has come on a miscommunication by the way what would by the way Eric what I I know that you kind of came in and you only heard Boomer about Boomer's kick on the radio but I imagine that Mark has kind of hyped Boomer up for that moment what are, what were your thoughts about his performance well give more uh, let me let, let's talk about we, we're going to focus obviously on Colton Boomer but Mark James made a great point and Bryce you know this Nick, hey, Kyle remember the placeholder, brand new. Mitch McCarthy, young oh, Australian, new oh. snapper. We we always focus on the kick, right? And obviously that's the important thing. You got to get the kick, but you got a new holder and a snapper on the road, and that was all good execution. Remember, McCarthy just came over over Australia. He's learning the sport, so let's give them credit for that. Colton Boomer was interviewed in the post game 
and uh, one of the players uh, jumped them in behind him. And it's boomer. So yeah, yeah, that was allowed. There was a lot of boomer uh, chants uh, in the uh, post game there for there. But huge kick. I mean, I'm trying to think. It's probably the. I mean, it's one of the bigger kicks in a long time. Obviously, when you think of UCF football history, the biggest kick. I would argue is Javier Borlegi against Alabama to beat the Crimson Tide in 2000. <laughs> that was the first marquee win for the program. But I was trying to think, you know, we haven't had many buzzer beater field goal wins like this. I mean, you know, would you count Prater shaking it, uh, shanking it in the Honolulu Bowl there? At, yeah, well, uh, that's why like, I was listening to Bryce and mentioning Matt Prater. Like, can we not bring him up, please? So we, like, <laughs> we don't need like, – he would have shanked this kick with all due respect. He would have missed tonight, all right? And I know this because you know he missed what an extra point in overtime against Ohio. They still haven't gotten over on homecoming, where they could have had their best chance to win that game that year. So I don't know what happened. How many games did he win, Team Tim Tebow in Denver? I'm just saying. It's crazy. That's one of the most (laughs) bizarre careers that I can remember. NFL kicker. I mean, I know. Yeah, I know. The record for longest field goal. I think he still holds the record for most 50 plus yarders. For him. No, he didn't make it when he was at UCF. <laughs> and he showed love right. to Colton tonight, man. Come on. But listen, the, the, the Noller is not is not that interested in your analysis in that point there. So. But I was trying to think. And, I mean, if the audience can think of some. And, I, you know, the last time UCF won on a walk-off field goal. I mean, we got to go back, right? Like, it's not happened often. Usually UCF has gone going away or they win by a touchdown. I mean, it's um, it's right or later, right? You feel like Wright had to have, have had one at some point, I think. Well, he nailed a big one, I want to say, against Memphis that 2018 that kept the streak going. But that wasn't a buzzer beater. That was No, it was not uh, a buzzer beater. That's true. But he made a, I remember this. He made a big field goal in the weather at half right before halftime. That was big. Remember that? They changed that momentum of that it football. It was a one-point game. game. Of course it was big. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, as far as it's a big kick in a long time, you know, I will say that I think Colton that looking at Colton, because this is very interesting to me and uh, interesting to me is I feel like that he might be the first like uh, the first booming kicker. You see, I might have seen it. What you've done, Kyle. It, He's it, gotten that. You're, you've influenced the young man. I hope you've you've, you've influenced the youth, Kyle. Who started this? So is that because I'm looking at the at the record book and granted this is from 2021 but I feel like that in 22 there wasn't really a lot of long field goals to come by that year. The we we have not seen like 50 yard field or over 50 yard field goals for in UCF since like the late aughts. Like uh, we like a uh, Dylan like a uh, Darren Daly kicked a 54 yarder in 2000 in 2008 Michael Torres hit a 51 yarder in 06 but Boomer he hit a he hit a 50 and a 55 yarder tonight and it looked like he had he he could have easily kicked it farther than that could I have mean been 60 I, yeah let me let me ask you so let me ask you this Kyle cuz you cover the NFL do you think he has an NFL leg I I'll put it this way I feel like it would be a scenario where they would have to keep another roster spot for the actual place kicking that's got to get better but yeah absolutely absolutely yeah I think there's a no that's that that makes that makes a lot of sense I think that he has the I think he has the distance to do that he really he really does like I I am very intrigued to see because who knows if because offense obviously the offense has to put him in positions like this, but the fact oh, that let's hope we don't have to use him this much every game. <laughs> then we're gonna have, uh, let, let, let's, 
Yes, because otherwise we're gonna have a, it's gonna be a longer year. You're not gonna get away with this many field goals in the Big Twelve. Although certainly Baylor's off to a slow start. They lost to Utah. And then Houston tonight lost to Rice. Well, <laughs> Rice, well, Rice has JT Daniels going to his umpteen. I, like, I don't care that the Houston. I know the Houston alumni. They're not gonna be happy with that with Data Hogerson. They were already angry with him there. He loves you. Rightfully so. (laughs) Rightfully so. Uh, But hey, if you're, I mean, the good news for the Big 12, Texas won a big game tonight. And uh, Colorado, primetime, 2 0. That's what you got to look forward to next year. Dion slept in his office, apparently. I I mean, it's probably a nice office. Uh, But (laughs) so keep in mind, there's other Big 12 teams, my point, they're having more issues. Houston and Baylor, obviously, among them. Uh, on that one, Texas Tech lost to Oregon. I watched that in Lubbock too. They're only two, yeah, so it's such a tough place to play, Elo. That's what I've heard. That's what I've been told. Um, <laughs> so look, and, and, and that look—that's why this Plumlee news will be interesting. I think this team can win some games in the Big Twelve. I said my prediction the preseason was eight to nine wins was very doable. Now, obviously, the Plumlee injury could change that, but I—I I think the Big Twelve is kind of—it's you know, there's not a bad team in the league. But there's not a great team. Now, Texas made a statement tonight. We'll see what that means moving forward. The Texas's history is they usually follow up a big win with a clunker down the road. Oklahoma beat SMU. We don't know what that means. Kansas State obviously hasn't been tested uh, yet. But I, I think there's some opportunities in the Big 12. Kansas, with their quarterback, if he can stay healthy, maybe that's the team that could cause some trouble. But I think this it, it, it it's there for UCF with the defense, the running game, I think they can win some games, but obviously the injury to Plumlee will, could obviously uh, dictate some of this. Well, I mean, it, it, you know, if Texas is back, which I know all the Texas people are Just, probably chanting the heck now, but if for some, if, if you know, I know Matthew McConaughey was he went he was flipping out on the uh, sidelines there. If there all is right, some, all right, if, all right. If there is some, an infinitesimal chance that Texas is actually back, because there's all because they always say it and they never are. But they actually are true this time, and the boy who cried wolf is actually right. That and, and right, and, and, and the, the, the 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 fact that you they do not have Texas on this regular season schedule is a really good sign. If that is the case, and it's not going to be until the championship game that that type of situation would have to be in. But looking through through this, yeah, I agree. Eight to nine wins, given the the Big Twelve like the caliber of Big Twelve teams we've been seeing. Through, through these first two weeks, I feel a lot more optimistic about how many wins we could get in the Big 12 than I did a few we- uh, th- th- that I did a few weeks ago. Like I thought that we honestly would be good for 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 bowl eligibility. Like I was just like bowl eligibility is fine, but this is like, again, I, now I wouldn't want to raise expectations too high obviously because again, these are new conference situations and you obviously have to go to go to Lawrence, you have to go to Norman, you have to go to Lubbock. And those all present their own challenges, but and, and Manhattan, but no, no, I agree. But what I'm saying is, it's not impossible. It's not like this impossible thing. Like, oh my God, I can't have a chance to win there. They have a chance to win because if the line's good enough, if they're physical enough, I don't think the Big Twelve is a physical league. I think UCF could have that advantage on some of these teams, you know. And that's why I was curious to see how the the line would play. And can they, would they bring that on the road to Boise State? Uh, because again, that's going to be the key here the rest hey, of the listen, way. Listen, I'll give you this, Elo. We're, you you brought up Deion Sanders and the Colorado Buffalo earlier. I'll tell you that UCF 
had a better day up front than that line did. I can tell you that Nebraska. Oh, you're right, right. Shador Sanders early. Um, and, and, you know, then they came out and blew it open in the second half because they finally figured that figured it out. But yeah, no, I, they, oh, you're right. Colorado, Colorado. We'll see how long that lasts. They're trying to win shootouts. Nebraska, uh, Guys, I hate to break it to Nebraska fans. Scott Frost wasn't the problem. Maybe you guys are the problem. Just saying. Anyway, because <laughs> Matt Rule can coach. No, Matt Rule can coach. So if he can't win there, I, I, I don't want to hear it. That's it. You're done. You're done, Nebraska. You're a volleyball school from now on. Congratulations. Um, You're Rutgers, too. I, who knows? Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think you're right. You know, there are chances, like, to me, that UCF can win some games being physical. And I think Gus gets that. Don't you come, Don't you get a set and just listening to Gus and Herb Hanton? I think they know that. They know that from – Gus knows that from his time in the SEC. That's how you win is up front. That's why the SEC is always separating themselves at the end of the day is because of up front. And one of the reasons why Alabama is no longer Alabama is they're not as good up front. If you saw – tech, I saw Texas yeah. man handle that. Yeah, Texas well, actually, lives. Texas is, is just really – they're SEC good up front. So let's well, they do. They've recruited very well. They've recruited yeah, right. Yeah, let's, let's not act like there's not a lot yeah, there. But, right. yeah, 100%. I, I think they're having quarterback problems as well as evidenced by a late, you know, offseason transfer. But, you know, that's a whole other yeah, I agree with that, 100% with that. I think that was very good. They, they're going to miss Bryce Young. I mean, that's the bottom. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Eric, I, I, I do want to ask then because – so let's just say for whatever, regardless of Plumlee's status for next week, for next weekend, what do you, are you looking now, like looking to see from this team now going to Villanova? Is this just kind of Kent State too? Well, I think it depends on the quarterback situation. Now they should, again, regardless of who the quarterback is, they should beat Villanova. But I will say if Plumlee's out, and Timmy McClain plays, that does add some intrigue into this game because I think those are important reps for Mr. Timmy McClain. And let me throw this out here to you all, gentlemen. Let's just say Plumlee's out. I, yeah, we're speculating it. We don't know. But let's just say Plumlee's out. Timmy McClain starts, plays. Do you want to see Dylan Risk get some snaps as well? And obviously the game will dictate some of that. But I think that's something that Gus – and Darren Henshaw and company will have to talk about if, depending on what the Plumlee injury is, yes, you have Timmy McClain starting, but who's the backup quarterback? Who do you trust to back up Timmy McClain? Is that Dylan Risk? Is Dylan Risk a guy you're willing to not redshirt? Now, granted, you could play him in this game and still redshirt him, so I don't want to – yeah, but, you know, I think those are things that UCF staff have to talk about because we just went through this last year, gentlemen, with injuries with a quarterback in the back and forth and redshirting and this or that. And, by the, and as Darren Henshaw alluded to it on media day, UCF ended up having to use three quarterbacks at the end of the year. Well, so learn from history. I know it's unique. I know it was circumstances were not even that. Now. Not even that, uh, uh, Elo. I, I think it's not just unique and uniqueness too. But um, we haven't seen. We don't. I'll put it this way: we don't know how much risk we have in Dylan, but we knew Castellanos wasn't ready going into that bowl game. Period. Right. Hundred percent, and I think this is one of the things that Darren Henshaw has alluded to: that every quarterback on this roster would be ready to play when their numbers called. Because as you saw last year, your number could call get called at any moment. He says they have; they all have packages and all that. We're gonna about to find that out, perhaps starting next week, 
if uh, we see Timmy McClain next week, which gets Villanova, which I think I, I just my guess is we probably will. Whether he starts or not is irrelevant. I think we're going to see Timmy McClain in some role next week. Think, I think it's 2018 with Mackenzie Milton and DJ Mack in East Carolina. I I think with 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 Dylan like. Let's not forget that this is coming off a season where the coaching staff completely bungled the red shirt of Tommy Castellanos. So I, I, I have, a, I really don't think they're in the, that, that they want to make sure they do not do that again, I think. And so I think now maybe this is different in the big 12 because, you know, you have a, a lot of, you know, because obviously, because you have the situations where with the opponents, we're seeing the only way that Rizik would get more playing time after that is due to injuries. But I think it's, but I think it's. It will be inter- It will be interesting to see if Rizik is called up because if they is, if because if he is, then maybe they're under the assumption that that Rizik might not be needed later in the season. Though, if well, you, you you have to get quarterbacks ready to play because if Timmy McClain has to start, there's no guarantee he's going to last the whole year. So you have to have somebody behind. Whether it's the kid from Charlotte or whether it's Dylan, that's what the staff has to decide in what direction they want to go with. You can't assume that your guy, that you next guy is just going to play the full season. You hope that's the case. But as Darren Henshaw mentioned to me on media day, you have to have the entire quarterback room ready to play. And Kyle, you know this. I've been very open and public about this. I don't believe that was the case last year with the quarterback room. In sure, my we opinion. said that about Castellanos. But I, and I think the thing that, that – here's what determines, in my opinion, if if – where we see if what you if if your quote of Darren uh, Hinshaw if that's just coach speak or he's real on that is if we see that I mentioned this earlier and I think if we're talking about the prospect of risk of risk playing in or being expected to play he has to show up against Villanova because no quarterback on this roster who's not John Rice Plumley their first action should not be against a Big 12 team if you can avoid it. I actually will say this. As much as, much as I like to have fun at these type of games and mock it, as has as been alluded to, in a <laughs> way, based on what could have – again, we don't know the Plumlee situation. This Villanova game might come at the right time. Yeah, and, and I think right it's – And I think that's where – if you're going to play these games, this is why. And you're right. Dylan needs to play in that game. I think Timmy plays. Well, maybe – who knows? And, and, you know, they got to get off to a good start. So we'll, we will see. By the way, since our roles have reversed, I feel like I need to sign off. Because, you know, when, when when Kyle's at the stadium, he likes to have his signature leave. So I, I feel like I'm going to I'm gonna sign off myself here and let you guys wrap up. You've done a fantastic job for the show. I just wanted to make a cameo, you know, play the Kyle role a little bit and help you out with what Gus had to say. Uh, so I will sign off. Check out the YouTube channel for all post-game coverage of the soccer and volleyball and all UCF sports. We'll probably have coverage all week uh, from Monday pressers and everything like that, so we'll keep you updated on the Plumlee situation. But uh, I will not steal Kyle's uh, you know, <laughs> signature finish. I'll just use my own line. Uh, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Uh, top guy out. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for joining for joining us, Eric. Taking some time after your busy day to come over, but yeah, uh, like you said, I think this is a good point where to kind of give our final thoughts. Nick, 
what what we what we what are your final thoughts on on tonight? How would you think we could UCF fans will end up kind of like really remembering this night? And how should we kind of like now look forward to Villanova and beyond, regardless of what we will hear about uh, one John Rice Plumley? This game was stressful. I'm glad it's over. I saw some mistakes that we need to correct. Hopefully, the receivers don't drop balls in the end zone anymore. <laughs> But this team has resolve. This defense can make up for offensive mistakes. There's a lot to look forward to. And I'm just glad that we have an easier team coming coming up next week at home. And before of which I have to jump through a table at tailgating. So Yes. Oh my god. Oh man, someone film that. Whoever I have, I to, a table. I have to find a table. For somebody you're making you pay for the table well i mean you did lose so i i will feel i i so whoever is at tailgate next week Crack journalist bryson turner will be on scene will, to get the I'm, table unleash my inner macho man randy savage and hit that elbow drop from the top more like you're in our bills fan oh man that's true so, all right anyway uh kyle Man, listen, uh, this would have been perfect to know as uh, UCF lowering the boom, if you will, um, you know, and making their presence felt against the giant killer uh, that is Boise State being themselves the giants in question now that they're a power five team. But instead, uh, there's going to be a cloud on it. And until we figure out how bad Plumlee's injury is or isn't, um, it's going to be hard to determine which. Um, So, you know, I'll leave it at that. I wouldn't expect any answers until any of that really on Saturday. So, you know, we're in Florida. We're used to storms. This one's going to have a cloud on until that gets resolved. And then down the line, if everything goes well, maybe we'll be known as when UCF lowered the boom. But until such time. Well, you know, I I, I know people will call this an ugly win, but if we're going to treat games like like people like like we do people, I think this game is not if you want to say this game is an ugly game, it's not it's not a two. It's more like a five. You know what I mean? It's it's more it's not a it's not an absolute it's not an absolute like just awful game to look at. But because John Rice Plumley, the defense, the defense, Colton Boomer, like I would argue that they did a lot of good to good tonight, and the and they and what aside from the red zone, they moved the ball very well. There is an excitement about this offense, especially because John Rice Plumley looks so good passing the ball. I mean, I th- if John Rice Plumley, if some JRP critics didn't convert last week. They probably did this week. I saw some people saying, like, I've been a JRP critic, but he did all that he – but he did everything that he could do tonight. And he really did. The only thing he really didn't do was protect himself. And so – and we ended up getting where we're at. And, of course, that is going to cast a little bit of a cloud on this game, but there's still a little bit of a jury still out element on I was this. about to say, you are at risk if – let's put it this way. It gets announced, John Rice Plumlee's out for the year. This is a freezing cold take by you. There, No, you're, you're right. I'll put myself out there. I'll, I'll put myself out there out there on that one. But I, th- I think that, that that's going to end up being affecting a lot of stuff. I think – but even if John Rice Plumley is forced to miss time – I think th- I think this game is going to be re- more remembered for what you see for like 
it's what it should have been. But in the end, I still think that there was a lot of good to come out of that. The good just didn't turn into points. That's that I really think is kind of the the best thing that you can really say about this game. It was a good game, but the score doesn't really tell otherwise because we just kind of had really we just had bad moments sometimes, and those and end up happen, happening they they all it, then again you can also chalk it up to just it's Boise State it's always close it's happened on three different color fields so i mean what else is that what else is there new to it but but anyway i think we've been going now for about 2 hours so i think it's about time we wrap this up because now UCF has to get ready to come back home from Boise Idaho to play Villanova in their final non-conference game before things get started in the Big 12 conference proper, where they place at, uh, on ESPN Plus at 6.30 p.m. on Saturday, September 16th. Finally, we are free from the ugly FS1 scorebook. Now that, my friends, is a, is a one to two to look at right there. <laughs> oh, my God. But, so, but now we'll be able to we'll now be able to look at the familiar and a familiar ESPN plus icon uh, uh, score bugs at uh, score bugs. So be sure to be ready accordingly for that. Accordingly for that. Uh, thank you so much to everybody who uh, has been here with us and lis- listening or watching us uh, talk about this, ga- uh, talk about this game and Ka- Kyle, Nick, thank you guys so much for, co- for coming on. And yeah, uh, for, so for Nick, you can follow Nick at, at Nick Corselli2 on Twitter, Kyle Nash at the, the SOTG for the student of the game. You can follow, and you can also follow Eric at, at Eric Lopez Elo, and be sure to follow the rest of the crew of the Black and Gold Banneret. Banneret. We are at UCF Banneret underscore SBN on Twitter. You can follow Jeff Sharon at, at Jeff underscore Sharon. You can also f- follow uh, follow Drew Andrew Glukov at, at Statboy Drew. And of course, uh, a big thanks to all of our photo- photographers as well. They're on. Twitter as well, uh, Twitter as well. So, uh, and you can follow me at, at it's Bryson Turner on Twitter. Kyle, I think we just have one last thing to do before we uh, sign, sign sign off tonight. It was an honor, joy, and privilege, gentlemen. But until then, class dismissed. There we go. It it, it just feels wrong to end a stream without do, without doing that. Um, good luck writing your night class tonight. By the way, that's gonna get published. Uh, when are you aiming to get that out? Probably tomorrow morning. Yes. All I right, get so, that out there before I get to work and start pre-writing for the Jaguar report. So here we go. Got it. So be on the lookout. So be on the lookout for night class. And if you're hearing this in in the far far future, then check out the Black and Gold Banner where it already will be published. If you're listening to this later in the week, so for, <laughs> there you go. So for Eric, for Nick, for Kyle, I am Bryson Turner. Thank you so much for spending your evening with us. Have a safe week and we'll see you next week as the Knights take on Villanova. Go Knights, charge on. <laughs>